First of all, don't listen to those voices because there are a lot of people that they don't really understand that women can develop tech, sometimes way better than men. Be careful with who you listen to and be careful when those voices are even like closer to you and just like say, no, I won't listen to this. Just like push others through communities, be mentor of others. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of The Artist of Data Science. Be sure to follow the show on Instagram at The Artist of Data Science and on Twitter at Artist of Data. I'll be sharing awesome tips and wisdom on data science as well as clips from the show. Join the free open mastermind Slack channel by going to bit.ly.com forward slash Artist of Data Science, where I'll keep you updated on bi-weekly open office hours that I'll be hosting for the community. I'm your host, Harpreet Sahota. Let's ride the speed out into another awesome episode. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Our guest today is a marketing guru turned data scientist who's passionate about using data to extract decision-making insights, understand causation, help companies grow, and make machines learn. She's got nearly a decade's worth of expertise as a marketing leader and has experience leading high-performing, culturally diverse teams and has a proven track record for adapting quickly, having a solution-oriented mindset, and serving as a reliable mentor to others. As a data scientist, she specializes in helping businesses make strategic, data-driven decisions and marketing strategies. So please help me in welcoming our guest today, a woman who is committed to leveraging data to help shape a better world, one unbiased algorithm at a time. Brenda Holly. Brenda, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be here today. I really, really appreciate you uh, stopping by the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation. Let's talk a little bit about how you first heard of data science and what drew you to the field. I think that I heard about data science a couple of years ago, maybe like six years ago. Uh, I've been, even though my background is not exactly in, in tech, I didn't study uh, anything related to software or tech in undergrad. I've been learning by myself, uh, like through YouTube, through tutorials. Like I learned how to do, uh, how to program in front end development. I learned how to build apps. Uh, I learned, I even created like a bot for social media because I wanted to follow some certain hashtags. But I never did that as a formal education. And in that curiosity, uh, I was in a tech conference because I love conferences and I love to meet new people. And I was amazed about all the possibilities uh, when I heard the, the term big data. But that was back in 2013. Uh, I didn't know exactly how I could transition into data science. After that, uh, I think that the moment when I decided to make, make for real that uh, transition into data science, it was because uh, I was working in this program for helping entrepreneurs from Latin America. And it was a White House initiative. It was Obama's White House initiative. And we have all this data from uh, 500 entrepreneurs that we needed to find. We have several data sheets, like from service, information, application, over 20,000 people applied, and we needed to look for some trends. We had 
a really small team and they were mostly uh, inclined into political science, uh, public policy, but not really into tech. So I came to the team and I literally showed them how to use pivot tables. So the, the, the problem that we had at that moment was that when we were transitioning uh, from one White House to another White House, the way how programs are evaluated are uh, in a different sense. Sometimes before you could, you could find like a couple of stories in more and just share those stories like this is changing the world and it's changing the U.S. as well. But uh, in this case, they wanted numbers. They wanted like to measure the impact. And we launched a survey and that we have all these responses from entrepreneurs. We didn't know how to analyze all of the, of the data that we have. It was a lot, a lot of data, a lot of rows. We, we didn't know even like how to properly manage it, like to read it completely or to find trends. And I remember that at that moment for my team, my team, they were mostly uh, from the US and I'm from, from Mexico. So for me, I'm from Mexico and I live in, in a couple of places in South America, like across Latin America. For me, that was like really close to my heart because I was seeing the impact of this program. I didn't want the program to, to finish. So in that moment, I basically told to myself, I need to do something about this. I need to know how to analyze data because there must be a better way than just reading or printing a bunch of things and analyzing it in that way. So in that moment is when I decided to really look for, for that and trans transitioning into data science. And it took me a couple of other years uh, to actually act on it. Are you an aspiring data scientist struggling to break into the field? Well, then check out dsdj.co forward slash artists to reserve your spot for a free informational webinar on how you can break into the field. That's going to be filled with amazing tips that are specifically designed to help you land your first job. Check it out. dsdj.co forward slash artists. That's really inspiring story. And I think that's really powerful because it goes to show to people that, you know, you don't need to have this background in some certain type of field in order to transition to data science. All you really need is, first of all, the curiosity, the motivation, the just desire to actually learn something new. And you put all that together. And in your case, you put all of that together in service of some larger goal and transformed yourself into a data scientist in the process. And I think that's a really powerful and impactful story. You've got an excellent career in marketing. So I'm curious, you know, as someone who's a marketer turned data scientist, what would you say that the data scientist and the marketer can learn from each other? This is a really good, good question. Really, really good question. And I am actually preparing a blog post about that because I want like marketers to understand where the trendings are going. So probably when this is published, you can add that there because it's going to be answered there. I remember when I started in marketing, I started doing TV and radio, mailing and some other offline uh, initiatives. I didn't start in online. And it was really hard to measure all of that. It was really hard to measure if we were paying 1 million pesos for a commercial 
how do you measure if that was impactful or not? I think the beauty of the marketing that we are, we are having right now is that we can actually track all of that because all the data is there. I think that the biggest problem is that sometimes marketeers, they don't really have the tools or they don't understand how to predict a couple of things. And we can predict way more things than just the churn or if, if we are going like to, to trends. There are a bunch of things that data science will will uh, definitely speed up how marketing is done. So one example of this is like chatbots. Obviously, that's like part of the customer. It could be there are a couple of articles that have been written by just an algorithm, which is fascinating. You can understand better the trends in music in the case that you want to put like a catchy music. You can measure exactly what's working and when a customer is going to stop buying and you can push another initiative out of that. So they're like, it's limitless. Even TV, like they're catching up on that and they're generating more data as well. But it's not as, as intuitive and as well-formed as uh, the marketing data. In the next two to five years, you know, in the near future, how do you see data science impacting marketing and, and what could the data scientists and the marketer do to best serve each other in this vision of the future that you have? Well, I see how uh, possibly every marketing team now is going to have a data, a, a marketing data scientist in their team more than a data analyst, like someone that really understands how to track the data. So I see in the team part to hire more data scientists. That's one thing that I'm seeing because before this data, this uh, marketing team was more like creative people, but now I'm seeing that they're hiring more people that are like with a major in math, with a major in economics. And you, you could say like, why someone that is majoring in math is doing in marketing. If marketing is a creative field, no, like everything should be based on numbers. So I'm seeing that field into that and definitely more automation, like way more automation. And right now, 93% of the data that a, a small business have go to dark data. That means that that data is not used. So I can see also how even small businesses in their marketing teams who will start acquiring or will start hiring uh, people in data science to use their data positively. And I see like in the five years, probably most of the business will be generating big data. So that's where I'm seeing. Besides that, everything is gonna be faster because of the usage of GPUs. GPUs are getting cheaper. Uh, that means that, for example, if, if before you run an algorithm to predict something and it took eight hours now is going to take 15 minutes. So that, that process is, go, is getting faster. So probably we're going to reach the point in which uh, everything is going to be like close to real time with big data and that with marketing data and with all the softwares. It's just going to get crazy. Well, I love it. Sometimes when we're starting off with the data science project, it gets a bit ambiguous. So what are some of the first things that you do when taking on a new project? And what are some of the steps you take to kind of keep you on track while going through and navigating the ambiguity of a data science project? The first thing is to understand in which type of project you're, you're working. You need to understand the overall where the company is going and what your contribution is going to be in that project and what is the contribution from that project to the big scene of the company and like how you're generating that uh, impact and that revenue or growth for the company. So for example, it, it is different when a company is 
in a growth phase in which all the metrics that you need to generate and all the predictions that you need to generate, they will generate it for growth. And it's different, for example, if you are optimizing for efficiency. And if you are optimizing for efficiency, even in the same data set, you can have different insights. Most of the time, you don't need to have even like a different data set. You can just use the different data set and then look for the findings. In the data science field, communications, com communication is everything. So you need to communicate clearly and to understand and to receive constant feedback of, is this working? We are trying this. Now we are trying this. Now we are testing this. Is this working? Like first understand, second communicate, third understand for what your your algorithm, your data set is, is uh, optimizing. And the other thing, in the case that they don't know, <laughs> because it, that happens a lot, that you go and say like, well, I know that data is the new gold, but like give me gold and they don't know exactly what or how gold look like, looks like. In that moment, you need to have a lot of people skills to understand. That's the first thing, because if not, you will start building something that is not needed. So it's just like going back and forth between putting the, the goal, your goals, the goals of your team, the goals of the company, and then optimizing for that. Um, and actually, I, I read this awesome blog post you wrote on a starting guide to excel at teamwork. So I was wondering if you could talk to us uh, a bit about the importance of teamwork for data scientists. Do you mind sharing the key points from that post with our audience? Of course, I can, I can talk about that. Well, in, in this uh, project I was working on, it was a pro bono project for FEMA. FEMA is the agency, the U.S. agency that helps to respond to natural disasters in the U.S. And in this specific project, uh, we were focusing because in, in California, there are a lot of wildfires and FEMA wanted to know what type of businesses, they have different businesses in their seven lifelines, meaning like lifelines are the businesses that need to be alive for a community to be alive, so to speak. They have seven, seven lifelines and uh, they needed to know how and what type of businesses they need to target first to receive help and what type of businesses could be impacted when wildfire hits. So with a lot of data, in, in that case, we were a team of four. It has been one of the best team experiences that I ever had, even though it was really short, but just because we knew exactly what we were looking for. So that's generally how the, the, the project worked. We needed to collect a bunch of data from Google uh, places. And so they changed the API. So we needed like to redo a couple of things from all the online resources that you can find. We needed to uh, collect data from Google and from Yelp. And then from that, start writing because we need to understand the problem. My team was diverse. We didn't have anyone that could be, I, I don't know, that had some experience in, in response to disasters. I think the closest one was one of one of our team members that he was in the Navy a very long time ago. So probably in the Coast Guard, not even the Navy. He was in the Coast Guard. I think that was the closest. But besides that, like we all went into a new field. The, the tips that I shared is uh, you need to have communication with your team and that communication need to be in one place. I think that the, the mistake that a lot of teams make is that they don't have everything in one place and we're humans. We forget. We forget what we said and probably we are just holding to one thought of something that you agree two weeks ago and right now 
it's not a new thing. Uh, so in all these um, agile processes, obviously in this case, we were not developing a software to implement an agile methodology, but you can take a couple of things in, from the agile methodology like to, to have everything in one place. And they're like really basic things that worked. So have everything in one place. Communicate efficiently. Know the problem. Know the problem and experiment fast and let things go. Like sometimes you write, you write a line of code that it doesn't work anymore. So just let that go. Schedule a fixed time to have meetings because sometimes you just need to be reinforcing that you are on the same page all the time. So just schedule a, a fixed time. Be comfortable with someone reviewing your work. And actually, that's going to be better. So if someone reviews uh, your code, and, and actually, I remember that I worked in another project in which my team partner was really secretive. He didn't want me to see his code. And that was so weird. Uh, I'm like really open to everything. And I think that the best thing come when you are comfortable with someone reviewing your work, give feedback, Be, give kind feedback and learn how to receive feedback as well. I think that's summarizing how you can build a, a team and how you can move everyone uh, forward in one goal. What's up, artists? Be sure to join the free Open Mastermind Slack community by going to bit.ly.com forward slash artists of data science. It's a great environment for us to talk all things data science, to learn together, to grow together. And I'll also keep you updated on the open bi-weekly office hours that I'll be hosting for our community. Check out the show on Instagram at the artists of data science. Follow us on Twitter at artists of data. Look forward to seeing you all there. So how do you think teamwork will change or be affected in this post-COVID world? What can we do to start being better team members when we're actually not going to be, for a while at least, some people aren't going to be in the same room, the same office as their colleagues? Document everything that you do. I think that's the first thing. Everything that you do, document it. And you need to have really clear what you're working on every week. So put like how many hours you're working on something and send that to your boss. Send that, send that to your team even though like maybe they don't even even care it's gonna help you to know that you are like advancing every week but also it's gonna help your team to know exactly what's on your plate besides that obviously i have managed people and the people that communicate more with me even though sometimes they don't receive feedback from me are the people that I want to keep in my team. If you are a great communicator or if you are not, develop that, put weekly goals, reach your goals, communicate what you are doing. In the practical side, if you are having a meeting in the same room, now that probably will transition into a hybrid between people that are on-site and people that are not on-site, everyone needs to be in their own computer so you don't include a conversation, have everything in one place. Slack is amazing for communication, but at the same time, everything gets lost. <laughs> like you, you don't know exactly how to track. So use other tools like Notion, use uh, project manage management tools. Ask people how they are when you start a, a meeting. In this case, and the key to, to have and to be a better teammate is to over-communicate. And sometimes people that program, they don't like to communicate. They just like to be behind their computer, writing the code, listening to Queen. But you need to over-communicate because if you over-communicate, you can be constantly in the same role. 
And in the other side, so for example, you are not having a lot of work. Take classes. Like right now, there are several, like a bunch of different courses that you can take to advance your career and communicate that to your team too. Why? Because if everyone starts like getting better, also the company is getting better. And also your your manager will know the person that is going to be right there for promotion is going to be you. So that's that's another uh, thing that I that I see that could be good in the manager, managerial part. And yeah, just don't disappear for for days and don't answer. Like maybe you can just answer with an emoji or something, but answer every question. Answer every text. Answer everything don't say don't leave people in the limbo because that's that's the equivalent of of your manager coming to you and saying like do you have this and then you just don't reply physically that's the same yeah it's really excellent point i think now more than ever the communication skills for data scientists is really what's going to separate the, the good ones from the great ones right because before it was it would be okay completely okay to just you know show up to work maybe only speak to people during your daily stand-ups uh and that's it but now it's like all right well you might need to err on the side of over communications just to keep in contact and make sure progress is being made on projects and you don't have that FaceTime in the office, so to speak, anymore. So you've got to make up for it a bit digitally. So I was wondering if we can transition a little bit here and speak to your experience being a woman in tech, your involvement with Latinas in tech, and if you have any advice or words of encouragement for the women in our audience who are breaking into tech or who are currently in the tech space. It's difficult to get into a field where you're not represented. Like if you see yourself represented, definitely you will know that that's something that you can achieve. It is strange because a lot of people say like, hey, the opportunities are there, but the women are not applying, but they, they are not studying this, it's their fault. But at the same time, we need to represent the people that are, are being there. If, if this representation is not coming with diversity, it's difficult for everyone to, to see themselves uh, there. And that's basically why Latinas in tech... And, and another thing, a lot of things and everywhere it looks, it, it works like true community, true people helping each other, not just in the representation part, but also in giving opportunities to others in giving opportunities of, to people that look like you. Practical advice that I, I could give is look for a community. If you feel comfortable with people like that look like you, either if it is like a Latina or if it is a, uh, a woman, if it is, look for your tribe. And there are people that are struggling the same way. Find mentors. That's really important. Find people that probably they don't look like you, but they can guide you through all the way. And that will open a lot of opportunities uh, for you. Be comfortable with being the mi minority and take advantage of that. A lot of meetings that I have had in tech is 20 dudes and me. <laughs> but they always remember me because I was the girl there. Take advantage of that if you can. Uh, be comfortable with being that minority. And slowly you can help uh, others uh, to grow. So I can share a personal story on uh, how it was uh, hard for me and how since the beginning you have all these voices of people saying like that place is not for you. And sometimes it's as close as a family member. When I was trying to get in to select what to study when I was like 16, 16 years old, I remember that I asked my uncle because my uncle was a software engineer and he was like my representation, right? I wanted to ask like, hey, uncle, how do you study this? Like, where do you study? What should I do? And I went to my uncle and I told him, I 
I think that I want to study something related with the computers, as you did. And he said, like, you know, you should study something for women. This is not for women. That marked me in a way that later, I didn't want to study something that was not for women. And that came, like, into my brain saying, if I study this, I am not a woman. I am not feminine. Because all the girls, he, he went on and saying that all the girls that studied these, they're more like lesbians and things like that. I was like, but I'm not lesbian. So I don't. So one thing that I can say is like, first of all, don't listen to those voices. Because there are a lot of people that they don't really understand that women can develop tech sometimes way better than men. I'm sorry that I'm getting too feminist, but be careful with who you listen to and be careful when those voices are even like closer to you and just like say no I won't listen to this I think you you can sort of select what word you're gonna listen to just like push others through communities be mentor of others that's very powerful right because the things that people can say to us when we're younger can impact us for you know several years after that uh, so like you mentioned it's good to make sure we surround ourselves with positive influence people who are going to be encouraging us and encouraging our kind of interests so what can the data community do to foster the inclusion of women in data science and ai you are doing it right now, which is listening to the voices of people that are not represented normally. So you are doing it definitely right now. But another thing is give, give the opportunity to, some, to someone that doesn't look like you. Give opportunities to new people. As humans and our professional career is full with people that invested in us either their time, their money, and probably maybe our parents didn't invest, let's say, their time because they were, they, they were not data scientists, they were not in a science major, so your parents couldn't invest that on you. But there are other people that invested on you and that say, this person is going to be great. And even though this person don't have the resources, not just economically resources, but connections, which is huge, so you can, be your, you can see yourself represented, they gave you an opportunity. So so as just remember how many people gave you an opportunity and give opportunities to others in the same way. I am not a big fan of, for example, I, I hear a lot of my friends saying a woman sh uh, shouldn't be hired because she's a woman, she'll be hired if she's great. And that they go like all the way to the opposite side saying like they shouldn't be hired just because they're a woman. Probably that's true. And probably we will get there in which everyone is going to get hired just because they are great. But right now the system is so uneven. Somehow we need to develop systems that can help to even this, this system. So if you are a, a guy that is listening to, he, to this, just understand that the system has been so uneven for a long time. Give it a couple of years. Give it a couple of years and allow hiring this diversity hire that is how they call it but that what you are doing there is helping other women to grow to be in managerial positions for other women to see themselves represented and to transition in the field and you will be surprised on how great tech women can develop yeah it is not a matter of if you're a woman or if you are a guy but we need this representation and more in data and AI because you need to be represented like you need to represent the whole spectrum of people. And if you're excluding women from your team, you're excluding the 50% of the world population and probably you're the people that will sell. 
Very powerful message. Uh, thank you so much for that. And I mean, we need diversity of thought, diversity of opinion, diversity of people, composition on our teams with those diverse perspectives, right? To help us develop better products. So also just going off on another awesome write-up that you had on Medium about the four things that women should consider to make the tech world their next big success. Uh, would you mind covering those uh, points for our audience? The point number one in that article is don't be afraid to explore, which means even though your uncle is telling you that that's not for women, just if you're feeling that in your heart and if there is where you want to go, just do it. Even though you didn't select that as an undergrad, as I did. But if you're curious, just transition. Like, come on, we have probably for me, I will have 45 more years of professional work. Like, that's crazy. 45 years where I can be doing whatever I love. So just do it. Explore, go. Even though people don't look like you, just go and be okay. Another uh, point that I, that I say there is trust your plan. Is if you make a plan, don't think that because some other people, sometimes you say like, oh, but this person, I don't know, this Indian dude, I'm sorry, <laughs> this Indian person, he has a PhD in uh, data science. He has a PhD in machine learning. What I'm gonna do if I didn't do that, he, if he is amazing. Just trust that things will come out and start doing it yourself. Start moving. Maybe you have a great plan. Act on it. Delegate. Let's be honest. A lot of, like, I'm married. And even for me, even though my marriage is sort of equal, I like to cook. I like the house to be sparkly clean. Just delegate the things <laughs> in the house. Delegate the things in your team as well, if you're leading a team, delegate the things that you cannot do, delegate the things that are not worth your time and learn how to do it. Sometimes we feel that we are the best to do it, but if you delegate, you will be surprised on how people can excel as well. Be comfortable with being in the minority. Be comfortable with being in that meeting where no one looks like you. Be comfortable with being the only person that comes in high heels, be comfortable with that. And not just be comfortable, lead the conversation because there is a huge advantage of being a woman in tech because there, there are no other women. Last question before we jump into a lightning round here. What's the one thing you want people to learn from your story? See, how I see my life is I will be working until I, I am probably 70, right? Because like I'm healthy, I exercise, 70 and then I'm going to retire. I am 30. I have a lot of years still to work. If you need to transition into something that you love, do it. And it's better if you do it early and that later. If you want to explore whatever thing you want to explore, we are not longer in this society in which you find a job right after college, you do your MBA or whatever, and then you work on that until you retire. We are not there anymore. So just be open to explore and to explore and to follow your passion as well. Another thing is never, ever, ever stop learning. Never. And this sucks. It does the thing that sucks about, uh, about the tech, com the, the tech uh, in general is that sometimes that you learn so well two years ago, now it's no longer relevant. And be comfortable with that and be comfortable with up upgrading your skills to communicating properly to if you are in tech to be like a more integral 
person in a way that you code perfectly, you communicate perfectly, you present, and maybe you move to different roles. But just explore the things that are out there and never is too late to transition. Never is too late. It took me eight years. Yeah, excellent point. Especially like the part about lifelong learning. I think if you sign up for a career in data science, and I'm sure my audience has heard me say this hundreds of times by now, but if you sign up for a career in data science, you're signing up for a career in lifelong learning. You have to be a perpetual student. And it sucks if you don't like learning. If you think that once you learn the skills to get the job, then that's it. But it's great if you have that attitude of, yes, like I, I love learning. I love keeping up with new tech. I love learning new things, continuously pushing myself to learn and grow. Yeah, I mean, thinking even about how universities probably will change their business model. And in the education field, I'm seeing how you go to university, you go to MIT, and probably instead of just taking a four years class, maybe you will take a two years class and then you will have updates and classes for life. I've been thinking because that's so relevant, like even in the policy making, like even even more like the people that used to do policy 20 years ago, the policy that is made right now, it's not the same. Commerce, marketing, uh, the accountants, like every field is being touched by tech. So I'm seeing how everything is inclining towards that. And if you can be that person that update yourself, I think it's, it's going to get easier for you. Don't be resistant to technology because it's coming. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think it was uh, Ernest Hemingway, and he wrote this about writers, that we are all apprentices in a craft in which no one will ever become a master. And I think that is now more true of every field than it was of just one particular one because everything is changing. So let's go ahead and let's jump into the lightning round here. What is your data science superpower? It is that I can grow things with data. I love to start things and to grow them. I like that, like a data gardener. Exactly. Um, I am a gardener myself, so yeah. There you go. So what's an academic topic outside of data science that you think data scientists should spend some time researching on? Effective communication. Yeah, communication is definitely key. So what is the number one book, fiction, nonfiction, or both, that you would recommend our audience read? And what was your most impactful takeaway from it? Of course. Uh, the book that I recommend the most is uh, this one that is called Nudge. And it's improving decisions about health, wealth, and happiness. And it's like how we create patterns to make decisions. And that's like to analyze you, right? Because if you don't feel yourself as an integral being, you're not just a data scientist. You are also another person that that uh, needs to understand what is going on with you. So this is like a science-based uh, book to understand yourself and to understand the people around you. Interesting. Is that kind of uh, like like neuroscience, brain science type of type of thing? To yes, and also like with choices with data, like how do how do we frame happiness awesome, and yeah. how we can reach happiness? Definitely, I'll definitely check that out and I'll add that to the show notes as well. What's the biggest blunder of bias you've seen or heard of? Of, uh, with an algorithm? Three days ago, they found that the Instagram algorithm was reporting or blocking the photos of women oversized in bikinis just because they were showing more skin. Meaning that if you are overweight, you have more skin and the photo has more skin. And the algorithm, how they optimize it is like if you have more skin exposed, it means that you're, you don't have clothes on. And if you don't have clothes on, that's a photo that shouldn't be on Instagram. It's definitely biased in a way that overweight people, they can wear bikinis as well, and they shouldn't be classified as, as, as bad. 
That's a really interesting one. Yeah, I'll have to check that article out as well. Uh, I mean, never even considered that. And I can like just conceptualizing that I could see how the algorithm could make that mistake. That's very interesting. Thank you. If we can somehow get a magic telephone that allowed you to contact 20 year old Brenda, what would you tell her? First, give us some context. 20 years old. What were you up to? Where were you at? What would you tell yourself at that moment in time? When I was 20 years old, I was studying in Mexico. I was just finishing. Uh, I finished when I was 22. So I was in the middle of undergrad. I will tell her to change her career. It took me eight years, nine years, uh, and a different career to change and to get to this point. But sometimes I wish I could go back to the beginning and start studying tech in tech, uh, start studying uh, something related with technology. So that's one thing that I could tell her, but never is too late. What's the best advice you have ever received? People care about themselves. They don't care about you. And that is the best advice because people are just focused on themselves. Sometimes the reason why you don't try new things is because you have this fear of being judged. You have this fear of being a failure on doing something that people dislike. The reality is that people just care about what they're saying, about how they are performing. So if you understand that actually people forget easy, they just care somehow about their own failures and they don't care about yours and people are kind, you will try more and you will publish more. That's really, really good advice. And I think something that people don't really realize is that like nobody is thinking about you nearly as much as you think that they're thinking about you. Yes. Uh, so that should alleviate your fears when you're up there giving a presentation or you're public speaking, uh, because even though you might be quote unquote, the center of attention, people are still in their heads thinking about themselves, not about you. Great advice. So what motivates you? I am the, I am the oldest in my family. So I am the first woman born in my family, in my mom's family and in my dad's family. My my parents didn't go to college. My, uh, I think just like a couple of uncles went to college. My, like no aunt went to college, maybe just one. For me, it was really important to mark a difference in my family for my siblings. I have two brothers and for my cousins as well, because somehow I knew that I was opening the path for them, seeing them, seeing themselves represented. So something that, that motivates me a lot on doing everything and even in sharing all the things that I do is sharing with them and allowing them to know that it's possible, allowing them to know and to not listen a couple of things that they shouldn't be listening from the communication and the dynamic in the family, that motivates me a lot. And everything that I do, I share, for example, one of my cousins, I push him a lot, a lot, a lot to study something related to tech. He right now is in the best university in Mexico. He's studying an amazing career in electrical engineering, but it has like a software component there. It's, it's like robotics, it's like this hybrid. When I started my company, I share with him all the things that he could have done and push him to learn different languages. So that motivates me. Helping others to be them, their best self, because if I was able to do it, you can do it. So what song is giving you life right now? What song do you have on repeat? Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. That's my go-to song right now in the morning. It's amazing. I love it. I love Queen. I am, um, I, yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge fan as well. Uh, I, that song is, is awesome. 
Good choice. So Brenda, how can people connect with you? Where can they find you? You can just Google Brenda Halley and connect with me in all the <laughs> places that it appeared. I manage all my social media. So I'm on Twitter, on Instagram. I have an Instagram that is called The Data Printer. And there I just share things related to data science and my career path. So you can follow, follow me there or just connect with me right there. Brenda, thank you so, so much for taking time out of your schedule to be here today. I really, really appreciate you. Can't thank you enough. Thank you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that a lot of good things will come out from this. I am really happy that people are you are giving a voice to people that are not naturally represented. And it was a pleasure just to work with you in all this process, in all the research that you do. And I'm just so excited to see what you are going to do next as well. Thank you.